Hello and welcome to the Fearless Ones podcast. On this week's episode, we put forth a challenging question that we believe is essential for everyone who would call themselves a Christian or a follower of Jesus. What does it actually mean to put God first? There's some great insight here, some great challenge, and also some great encouragement. So we hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Fearless Ones podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fearless Ones podcast, where we build fearless people, we build fearless communities that builds a fearless generation. Uh, Matt Hamm, Kevin Adams with you uh, a day early than our usual, uh, but we are still dedicated and committed to bringing some weekly teaching and content to you guys. We appreciate you tuning in, Kevo. Uh, man, thanks for making time and, and being available in the midst of uh, the week's challenges. It's important uh, to speak and to continue to speak. So thanks for making time, man. It's good to see your face and, and get after it today. Yeah, well, you too. You too. I, I think uh, part of this this whole idea today is, is uh, about overcoming things allowing the challenge to refine you and uh but but we have to um we've been kind of on this journey and, and i think we're switching gears a little bit kind of going back to another aspect of what it means to be a christian or a believer and so you know it's funny i i pass these i see this regularly on church signs uh and uh it says put god first i saw one this morning ah <laughs> uh on the way to the chiropractor and back. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and, but I see it regularly in, in different ways. So I, I think what I don't see is uh, any of these signs explaining what that actually looks like. Mm. But that's what we're here to do today. So the, the title is what does, uh, what does it actually mean to put God first? And uh, let's just talk about it, and uh, yeah. hopefully we can make this valuable content challenging and encouraging as well. Yeah, well, that's awesome, man. You know, I think a lot, a lot of times we say things, we hear things, we see things, and mm -hmm. we don't go through the process of critically thinking about things. And, right. you know, um, we don't ask questions, we don't press we don't define things. And so they're just left to be in this uh, cookie dough state. I remember one time you said that, uh, you know, heat is what turns the cookie dough into a cookie. And so without a little bit of refinement and heat, we walk around with cookie dough Christianity, uh, which is the counterfeit version to a real cookie. Um, so anyway, I think it's, I think yeah. it's great, man. Um, so let's dive in and, and kind of start with this idea of, um, what does it mean? What does it actually mean to put God first? Yeah, well, you know, and I would welcome anyone who is is uh, or will listen to this. Hopefully a few people will. Um, but uh, I would just challenge anyone um, to go to that place and camp out on it for yourself. Um, because I, I think if you're a believer, there's no debate in the statement. So, but, but we'll walk through it, but I would just say, you know, initially, uh, even if you're listening to this, maybe take a minute, pause and, and, and think about what this means, uh, truly to you in your life. And then, you know, we'll, we'll kind of go through it, but, uh, so it's worth the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of people, 
uh, well, probably most really don't either understand that you have to do this um, or they just don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, again, I think, I think the step one is the understanding that this is biblical precedent, right? Like That's God right. said a covenant with his people, you should have no other gods before me. That's like right. I am first and only in your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus carried that out. And so, you know, anybody wanting to debate or get into the nitty gritty, I think the first is an awareness that we can't escape the reality that God first is the biblical understanding of what it means to be in covenant relationship to actually be a believer. And then, you know, the secondary piece is, is what that actually looks like, like you said, whether or not they want to do it. Um, so I think it's wonderful, like you said, for people to be challenged enough to sit with this and actually think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so let's just start with, um, there's a lot here, uh, and we've got time and, and, uh, you know, I guess we can go as long as we need to. Um, but, but, uh, we'll try to cover the most important things. So everything goes back to, you've got to look at the word and, you know, you, you had kind of touched on that a second ago. Um, so it, that, that's really important foundationally. So let's just look at one verse and then we'll go back to, um, a view it from a different version, which also has a, a neat point to it. Um, but, uh, and, and if you see me squirming a little bit, it's just cause I got a little back stuff going. I jumped off my counter, by the way. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm, I'm cool, man. I'm 56 years old and I can jump flat foot off my counter and on it. But the next day it, my back was kind of jacked. <laughs> Maybe, uh, God's telling me, stop doing that. Just because you can. Doesn't, doesn't mean, mean you should. should. <laughs> Amen. That's yeah. actually enough of the, we can shut the show off right now. Yeah. <laughs> Just because you can doesn't mean yeah. you should. Uh, so anyway, there's my lesson. Uh, there's my, you know, kind of whipping behind the shed moment. Yeah. Um, so I'm squirming a little bit because of that, but, but you know, that it'll be fine. Uh, so anyway, Matthew six thirty three. It, it's probably one of my favorite uh, singular verses um, because it has context, but it, it works without it. It's like a proverb. It's just beautiful. And, um, you know, I've really tried to live by this. I love this version of it, but we'll come over and we'll look at a different one. But but, the it, you know, I don't even, I just know it. So I just wrote it down, but I've got the other highlighted. All right. Seek first. Uh, his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now that's a a really pretty good game plan when you look at how easy and simple this is. So, so my question for, you know, anyone uh, is, you know, seek first. uh, What does that mean? And then, uh, you know, let's walk through that but here's the bottom line and i'll just say it but we can discuss it um it it if if all means all if the word all means all there that means there's nothing else to seek you know he tells us what to seek and he gives us him in two ways him his kingdom who he is but his kingdom is how he expresses himself through us the work that he gives us so 
you know, his righteousness is Jesus. You can look at this, but it's seek him. Mm. So he says, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. What does that mean? Well, you got to start with all. Okay, even contextually, all means, you know, the basics. But it, 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 it actually means everything because if he is the only thing, uh, if he is the thing to seek first, then, then in, in all these other things are added to you, what else is there to seek? So mm-hmm. what I'm saying is uh, it, it's, it's not a first is not necessarily a priority. God doesn't sit atop our priority list. Yeah. So it becomes only. Mm-hmm. So seek only god that's the only thing you have to seek him and the work that he gives you all right so there's that's where i've always come to on this if all means all what else is there to seek so i'll, I'll leave it there let you jump in yeah you know it's, it's 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 wonderful to 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 make that distinction because people have often not gone through this deep enough to really understand the reality that if all means all there's nothing else you know uh, to seek. And what's interesting about the context of this passage, I mean, you take it in that that verse context, but if you take it in the passage of the parable or the Sermon on the Mount, which is where this comes in, right before this, he's talking about, do not be anxious about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. So it's obvious he's speaking to a people who are worried about what they will eat, what they will drink, what they will wear. And then he's, he comes with this like statement, which is so profound. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's, that's, that's where you, you take this in the larger context. It trumps every worry, every fear, every anxiety. And it calls you as a believer to the carpet to go, where have I allowed what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to wear, how my money is, who's in this position of authority, you know, all these things that take up precedence right. in our mind. He says, you, you've got to dethrone that stuff. And uh, that's convicting. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, so God first isn't the top of a priority list. It means seek only him and the work he has for us to carry out. It's that simple. The rest of these things he will give you. Now, that's what we've been teaching. How do we know what they are beyond the basics? They become the desires of your heart that he already put there. He says he'll give you when you delight yourself in him. It all adds up. But uh, I wanted to read it. You know, you mentioned the context. So I've got a different, this is actually the contemporary English version. And I was going to read the whole passage there, uh, you know, to to give it that. You've already kind of done that, but that's okay. This one, what I like. Read it. Go ahead. ahead. I mean, I just was. What what I like about this one is, is how it phrases uh, 32. So I'll just read it. It's fine. I mean, it's, it's all just good dialogue. All right. So, uh, this is 26 through 34. We'll, we'll do that. All right. So I'll go quick. Look at the birds in the sky. They don't plant or harvest. Think about that. (laughs) They don't even store grain in barns yet. Your father in heaven takes care of them. Aren't you worth much more than birds. I love the no storing in barns. But Mm. what do people do? That's exactly what they do. All right, I'll go on. Can worry make you live longer? Why worry about clothes? Look how the wildflowers grow. They don't 
work hard to make their clothes. But I tell you that Solomon with all his wealth wasn't as well clothed as one of them. God gives such beauty to everything that grows in the fields, even though it is here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow. God will surely do even more for you. Why do you have such little faith? All right, a little bit, we're on the home stretch. Don't worry and ask yourselves, will we have anything to eat? Will we have anything to drink? Will we have any clothes to wear? You know, and that's what you're talking about, uh, partially. So 32 is where I wanted to kind of land for a second. 32 in the contemporary, I think it's contemporary English version. 32 says, only people who don't know God are always worried about such things. Your father in heaven knows you need all of these, but more than anything else, put else put God's work first and do what he wants. The other things will be yours as well. I love that. You know, all, those two things, 32 and 33 in that version, is it's it just, man, it just it strikes the heart. Only people who don't know God are always worried about such things. Mm-hmm. You know, your heavenly father knows you need all of it. So, so let's talk about that for a second. You know, uh, here's another way of looking at that. If you're not going to follow God's advice, maybe you need to stop calling yourself a Christian. You know, that's the way I look at it. If you're not going to listen to this and start to live it out truly, it's all right with me. I'm nobody, but don't call yourself something that you're not. Don't call yourself a believer if you don't believe that. Now I'm pointing at my computer. If you don't believe, then you're not a believer. What does belief look like? That goes back to the title. What does belief actually looks like? It means you believe it, not in it, but you believe it. You live it. You understand not about God, but the ways of God. You're experiencing them. So you can't just quote scripture. You have to emulate Jesus or the heroes of faith. It's a big difference. And I think people need to understand this or just, you know, it's cool, man. Hey, high five or whatever. Just stop calling yourself a believer Mm. because you're not. If you don't believe, then you're not a believer. That's that's, you know, that's the challenge part of this. Yeah. All right. So, so jump in. You need to, well, yeah. I, it's, I, as you were talking about the birds and all that kind of stuff and not storing up, um, I just felt this thing on my spirit where it said, um, <laughs> I'm not interested in squirrels. I'm interested in birds. And it was kind of the Lord speaking about our squirrelish nature. And, you mm-hmm. know, squirrels store up nuts, you know, and I get this yeah. funny picture of squirrels in the middle of the road when a car's coming at them and, you know, just freaking out, you yeah. know what I mean? And running across the streets. And it's like, man, how much of our, our Christian culture is squirrels? They're, they're darting over here. They're chasing things. They're ADHD. They're, you know, they're scatterbrained. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're storing up nuts for the, the latest thing. They're jumping from tree to tree. Like, man, what a picture of, of squirrelish Christianity um, versus the bird, you know, um, right. who, who doesn't. Uh, sow or reap, um, but yet is fed and doesn't store in barns, yet is fed and kind of soars above yeah. 
right, over over all of the uh, the things that people tend to worry about. So um, I don't know. That's just a, a fresh little picture yeah. that I got. Is are you a squirrel, Christian, or a bird, <laughs> and uh, an eagle, a bad ass eagle at that? You know what I mean? That's what I want to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I taught my kids when you're in the car, you just run the dang squirrel over. You don't don't end up in the ditch for right. a squirrel. Just kill it. But <laughs> they're not. They're not. They're not bad creatures but uh yeah we are not them and we shouldn't act like them so the second part of that in this version again this is what we're looking at the first part only people who don't know god are always worrying about such things he's saying if you're not going to follow my advice don't call yourself a believer Mm -hmm. so stop calling yourself that if you're not following his advice not just hearing it you got to live it Mm -hmm. because you don't believe it you don't really believe it it's like saying, you know, every day, how are you going to make money? How are you going to do this? How are you going to, you know what? We're following God and he's got that part figured out. My job is to follow him. So and we'll get into that, but I'm just, I'm, you know, we're at a point now where the world needs real believers to lead, yeah. not halfway. All right. So, so I don't want to preach, but, but uh, the next verse says, this is 33 again, but it's 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 in this cool version that, that, that gives you a different point of view. Same meaning. It says, but more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. The other things will be yours as well. So God's work. That's it. He seek him. He's your everything, your provider or everything. You don't have to seek a good marriage. You don't have to seek a great job. You don't have to seek, you know, wealth. You don't need to worry about any of these things. You don't even need to seek them. And I defy anyone to, to, to argue with me about this. Come on, bring it. You don't have to seek any of these things because God will give you all of them if you build your house on the rock. And that's what we teach. And that's what making disciples is all about. So, you get to 33 and it's not just the all things it is remember the work of god and that goes back to what we've been talking about with these key verses mm-hmm. psalm 139 god's intention is your permission he put you here now ephesians 2 10 i'm just going through them real quick you're made uh for good works and those that becomes very specific to your gifts uh, you're, uh, uh, Romans eleven twenty nine. it's irrevocable. Nothing can take it away from you. That's why Paul, once he understood who he was, he, he could do it from prison or anywhere. So two thirds in the new Testament are written from a guy. Uh, a lot of it was in prison. So no one can take away your gift. And that's what you're here to deliver. You're not here for a comfy, a comfortable life. If you want that, then, you know, we're not going to be friends. It's okay to want to do great things and have abundance and joy and good health. That is from God. So we're, I want to separate that for a second. But anyway, the last one is Proverbs 18, 16, and that is your provision. I mean, he says he'll put you, your gift will make room for you before kings or influential people or whatever. God puts you in front of the right people. Now, when you, when you sow into that in the way that you're made, instead of the way somebody else thinks you're made or the way you think you're made until you learn better, when you sow into that, you are sowing into something good. And what does the devil do? He tries to make you give up on it. And that's where, you know, the enemy wins. So all this said, 
this matters. The work of the Lord matters as a part of his kingdom, as a part of So you are the way he wants to work while you're here, a specific way. And if you don't want to jump into that, then you're not seeking him first. So seeking him first doesn't mean just sit in, a, you know, in your closet and pray. It means you've got to let go of everything and start to carry out what uh, he's given you to do. And it's exactly what we teach. And very few people get it or teach this. I don't know anybody teaching it this way, frankly. Yeah. Well, the, so the, the, the interesting piece is, um, you know, um, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm saying what I'm getting ready to say with an understanding that there's a, a famous Christian guy who wrote a book with the title radical a number of years ago. So I'm not really um, speaking to that. Um, although I'm using that word is, um, you know, the, the concept of the Christian life has never not been quote unquote radical. Right. I mean, it, it is by nature, it's leave this and follow me. And, you know, it's become so commonplace in modern culture to be comfortable, to be whatever, that we put this kind of like radical thing on it. But like, it's just the way it is. You know what I mean? Like, it's like people trying to call, uh, oh, well, this is a Bible preaching church. It's like, well, what other kind of church is there? You know, it's like, it, it is the, the Bible preaching church. Like, this is a radical church. Well, what other kind of church is there? Like, it is radical. Like, we use these adjectives now to try to describe it when it's always been the way it is, you know? And I think the reality a lot of people are waking right. up to is going, man, I didn't realize that this is what it was. It's always been that way. It's just been made into, you know, this right. cookie cutter culturally accepted image. No, it's always been, um, it's always been foolishness to the world. It's always been right. against uh, religion. It's always been, you know, against kind of fame and popularity and all the kind of stuff that it has become. And so I think that it's really important for people to come to this realization, like you said, is that, um, you know, it's not possible to live the Christian life without being deemed radical or foolish by these other institutions, these worldly institutions. And people have to get to the place where they're willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, you either, you're either going to waste your life for Jesus or you're just going to waste it. You mm. pick. You're going to be a fool for the world or a fool for him. You pick. But don't say you've done it if you haven't. Stop calling yourself a believer if you don't believe, truly believe. And that means there's fruit. It doesn't mean you get to sit still the rest of your life and just call yourself that and be comfortable with it. And I, I think it's high time we, we say that, you know, you're talking, you're talking about the radical book, which to me is, you know, I mean, I, I, I wrote about that book in this book and right. David Platt, who I'm not a fan of at all. Uh, don't like the guy and uh, I'll leave it there. But uh, you know, anyway, it, it, it's but that's that's good what you're saying is people love the terminology and and you know it sounds good and cool but they don't really know what it looks like yeah. um you want to know what it looks like um you know let's talk but uh you know that it, that's not coming from a place of uh, high-mindedness it's coming from a place of you know you, you want to live an authentic true life god put you here on purpose to do this for him, to do something specific for him. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not about 
all these other things. One of the ways we need to look at this too is, uh, you know, the heart, you can't follow, you can't worship God and money. Um, mm-hmm. And I talk about this regularly. I didn't used to as much, but I do now because it shows the condition of the heart. Right. It's not, uh, you know, it's not about money. It's, it's about well, what are you putting your faith in really? Mm-hmm. You know? Cause if you're putting that first and not God, then you're worshiping that and you can't do both. He says that you can't have one foot in and one foot out. So, you know, one of the things that I think is important, you know, I, there is some encouragement here. You know, the truth is always encouraging because it, it, it gets rid of the cancer. Mm. Um, but listen, uh, here, here's some questions that, that maybe they help. So, so when we look at what most people do, what they do is we look at it as humanism. All right. Now, humanism, we know the devil wants man to, to, to not just worship him, but he puts it in a form of man. So humanism is where people are. That's what they worship. So, so what, are the, what are the main institutions of humanism? Science, medicine, education, sports, entertainment, religion, and government. Can you tell me any of those things that aren't almost completely corrupt? And I, I don't think you can. That's not saying there aren't some good churches out there, but are they corrupt? You know, somebody sent me, we have an internal dialogue and, you know, among other things, but he, he sends me a, you know, another, yet another church that has uh, it, it, some kind of drag show going on in the church. I mean, it, it's, now that's the edge and the fringe of things, but even the subtle nature of, you know, we need bigger buildings. We need more overhead. We need more signs. We need more to get more people, better coffee shops. It's all the same spirit because it's not reliant upon God. It's reliant upon man programs. All right. That thing, you got pastors out there, woke pastors teaching people to get vaccinated, which is absolutely deadly and ridiculous. I'm not saying I don't love people who've been there because I, I do, man. We've got friends and family, but this stuff's bad and you're going to see it right we, we we've been saying this for a long time now so so that's one thing you got you got they're flying ukraine flags and it's crazy it's so evil all right so that's one institution another one is education these schools they're not coming back these public schools especially but private schools too it's infiltrated every aspect of humanity through humanism the worship of man and intellect. So schools are not coming back. They're not going to get better. Churches are not going to get better. This is me saying this. I'm not speaking for anybody but myself. So what, what's the good news? We get to redo it. So we're going to have education that teaches the Constitution. We're going to have, you know, teaching people how to become entrepreneurs. And we're going to help them do that, how to grow things how to become disciples and live for God fully, not go to church somewhere, but be the church. All right. That's what we do. People don't know that. That's what our coffee does, our hot sauce, our chocolate, our gift boxes, our wearables. That's what it does, by the way. So I'm preaching now, but, but so here's where I, I, I curve all this back to. The question is, do you put God first? And if you don't, 
then it's okay, man. It's all right. Just stop calling yourself a Christian. If you say you do, if you want to, and you want to know how to do that, here's a good way to do it. Here's, here's what I look at. We're talking about money in the heart. All right. Do you believe in giving? I like to ask people that, you know, well, most people are going to go. Yeah. Do you believe in giving to something that you believe in? Number two. Well, yeah, of course, right? You're not going to give to something you don't believe in. So what do you believe in most becomes the question. Well, you know, where are most people? Well, I, I tithe at my church and all that. Well, we're doing good things. Are you really? You might be. I hope you, I praise God if you are. I hope you are. But when you look at these institutions, you look at the divorce rate, nearly 70%. You look at the addiction rate. You look at how many antidepressants people are on. You look at all the false things that even accidentally these institutions, including churches, teach people. They're not, it, is it working? You don't have to take my advice. Look back. Is it working? Does it work? Is it helping? I think the answer is no. It doesn't mean there aren't pockets of goodness in these things there i'm sure there's some good you know people in all of it so that's not what we're saying we're talking about putting your hope in these things including mm -hmm. money yeah. it isn't working to simply go to church set your kids in the whatever and go yeah well they're learning about jesus that's good but if you're not in their face teaching them and living in front of them none of that stuff it's not going to help you yeah there are more divorces more drug addictions, more people on depressants. It's, it's insane. People have lost their way because they think they can go and just do that at church. And that's not the answer. And it's changing. All right. So anyway, I'm, what I'm, do you believe in most? That's the big question. I'm thinking about the kind of Jesus as he stood in direct opposition um, to the pharisaical uh, religious uh, culture of his day. And, you know, he spoke very strongly about this humanistic, our way is the way. And, you know, they lorded stuff over people's heads. They put burdens too heavy to carry. Yeah. And he says, you know, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And, you know, he spoke about that. But that doesn't mean that everyone in those institutions was, in fact, you know, uh, a part of that. So you see, right. you know, Joseph of Arimathea, you see Nicodemus, you see people wanting and be willing to come out of their indoctrination, out of their mm -hmm. cultural mindsets to follow Jesus, right? And, you know, even still, Matthew was a tax collector. You know, he left that institution to follow Jesus. You know, Peter was a fisherman. He left that institution to follow Jesus. And so I think that, you know, people want to automatically get in, you know, all defensive and pouty or whatever. And the, the greater question is, is God calling you out of this, you know, indoctrinated culture, this humanistic thought? Or are you somehow trying to like force the issue, you know, by being, because I had somebody ask me the other day, um, they said, well, don't you feel like you're keeping your truth from these places by not going to them? You know, that was kind of their defense. You know, that's why they say they still go to, you know, a church where don't you feel like you're keeping this goodness and truth that you have by not being a part of these things? 
And my answer was, no, I, I don't personally feel that at all. You know, um, you know, so I, I have peace in my heart that, you know, I'm not keeping anything from anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm choosing not to be a part of, you know, these organizations. It doesn't mean I don't have my community. It doesn't mean that I don't have people right. speaking truth into my life. I do, you know, and so, um, it's really just a call to conviction for people to check their spirit, which a lot of people don't like to do. Well, it's like saying, I'm going to send my kids to some crazy woke public school that's teaching garbage, you know, to uh, demasculate or emasculate, uh, cut your body parts off, teach. This is so evil. Now, you know, I know I can ruffle feathers. I just don't give a crap. The truth is all that matters here. So that's like saying, I'm going to send my kids to public school so they can be liked. Well, you know what you're going to do? You're going to harm them. Mm. Now, again, I'm not saying there aren't exceptions. I'm done with the caveats. It's, it's not, that's not God. God, now God may tell you something. You better learn what his, his voice sounds like and follow it with courage. And he means you to be there. But if he's not doing that, you got to go wherever he's telling you to go. Yeah. So we don't get to just blanket statement that, but the blanket statement is, are you actually following him? Because that right there takes courage more than courage. It takes conviction. Mm. And when you shove that away and you put money or anything else first, then you're not a believer. Mm -hmm. You're uh, milk toast, watered down, on the fence. And guess what? We're in a time where that stuff isn't going to fly anymore. So, you know, one of the best ways to ask that question is, is what you're giving to actually working? What do you believe in most? You know, because people are just doing that. They don't see value in this because they don't like it. It makes them uncomfortable. But, you know, this is where it, you, you do you see fruit? Are you making disciples at your local church? Is it happening? Do you even know what that means? Or is it going to egos and overhead? Because that's where I see it going mostly. Yeah. You know, people don't like this. And, and don't listen if you don't. But the bottom line is that is a good way to look at it. Everything that doesn't have this deep, deep conviction to it yields itself to humanism. We can't it's like saying, you know, I'm going to hold my hands on my head for a second. It, if we just try to, to, to defeat the enemy cerebrally, he'll kill us every time. Right. We can't do it. He's way smarter, craftier, quicker. But when we become a vessel for the living God where he's working through us and we don't block it by our, how are you going to make money? Or, how, oh, I'm worried about this. We don't block it anymore. We just say, Lord, you made me. I'm here for you and you alone. You, you send me. I'm going to go and do the thing you're calling me. If we don't get to that place. We will miss the mark. Yeah. And um, the enemy will have victory if we do what God's saying and follow it. Now, he gives us grace and a window and all that. But if we if we don't, we end up falling to these humanistic things. So we have a culture. Look at our culture. This generation, I would call it all but lost. The, the kids today, I'm not saying they're all lost. I'm saying the generation is. I don't know if we can get it back. But guess what we do have to do is we've got to raise up a new generation. So we've got to start building new things now yeah. with conviction. And, uh, you know, 
how's your life going to look a hundred years from now? So, 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 so if you don't want to fall into putting science, medicine, education, sports, entertainment, religion, and government first in worshiping those things, instead of God, you know, if you, if you will let go and, and let him work through you in the way that he's convicted and be patient and let the seeds plant and grow, the enemy can't win. He cannot win and you will succeed. So the battle becomes, are you patient? What do you, and that comes back to what do you believe? So I want to, I want to offer some encouraging advice as well, not just the conviction part, but if you're not ready for the, for the heat, yeah, then, you know, it's just, let's just call it a day, you know, I'll have a beer with you, but. <laughs> yeah. It, it, a couple, couple thoughts. And, um, and then to, to the encouragement point is um, I had a good conversation this morning with a friend of ours and uh, part of his role uh, and what he does is um, education programs for youth. And he spends a lot of time with kids from middle school, high school, college. And we were talking about some of these things today and his comment to me, he said, you know, Matt, he said, um, there's, there's people on the ship. He said, I'm just not sure who's steering it. And what he was saying was, is there's, there's a generation of kids that are on the ship of wanting to know they're, they're, they're hungry, right? They're, they're over the, um, the hypocrisy they're over the stuffiness. Right. But he said, he said they're on the ship, but I don't know who's steering it. And it was interesting to me because it reminded me of like an old Chinese proverb. It says no fair wind, or maybe it's a Roman proverb, Greek proverb. It says no fair wind blows for the ship without port. That if you don't know where you're going, you can't receive the fair wind. You know what I mean? You're just being tossed right. by the sea, which is a you know biblical Jesus story. And right. so it's interesting that like it's really important for anyone who's in the process of discovery or you know in seeking truth to know who's steering that ship, right? Because there's so much, like you said, false information, false teaching, false truth that's out there that masquerades as truth, yeah. wisdom, freedom, et cetera, that's right. just completely leading people astray. So there's there's an awareness that's required, number one, or a willingness to be taught. But there's also, two. that's why what you're saying is so important. You have to have a foundation you know, um, of truth to contrast what's being taught on. And the other yeah. thing that I keep thinking about, um, mm -hmm. I, I, the other day, the other morning, I had a, a kind of an, it was an open vision, if you want to call it that, a picture or whatever on my heart that the Lord just kept speaking to. But it was this passage of scripture where Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, you know? And it was, it was this concept that there are the deepest parts of us. These are the parts that are probably still out of alignment with truth. They're the place that we don't want anybody to go. They're, they're the deep-rooted things like money being our true God or our health being our true God, um, the, the, the fears that we talk about, fear of poverty, fear of death, fear of the opinions of people. And it's like Jesus is wanting to go all the way into that holy of holies. This is the deepest part of us. And he's saying, something's in my seat. Like the seat, the throne of the heart is his. And when we have to let him into that place, um, in order to realize that there are other things that are in his seat. And, and, and I, I just, it was a picture that I think most people um, probably haven't thought of it that way of allowing him to come into every part of your heart to let you know that 
there, there may be things that are sitting in his seat and dethroning those things that are, that are idols, even subtly. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, he has to sit on the throne of your heart and, uh, and you can't allow something else to put, put a finger on it and weigh it down or, you know, uh, yeah. And that's, uh, you know, it's a good confirmation and, uh, reassurance, but that is true. And that, that's, uh, it's completely and utterly, he has to live through us. Um, the collision happens where we are imperfect. Uh, we are in the world, but not of it. We need to be of the word, not the world. Um, but because we're aliens, because we still have flesh suits we're in, you know, there are imperfections. There are things that we do. It doesn't mean the character of Jesus doesn't flow through us. It means simply uh, God's will is perfect, and we can give birth to that wherever we go, despite our failures, because grace covers that. Um, it's like saying Mary, who was imperfect, gave birth to Jesus, who was perfect. So we know scripturally that physically, spiritually, however you want to look at it, our job is to yield our lives back to God by choice and let him live through us for the benefit of others, his glory and our own satisfaction. And if we're not doing that, then we're wasting our lives. And it's that simple. Yeah. Let me read something here. Um, this is, you know, I wrote this years ago and I put it in my book, but I actually wrote it before that. Um, but this was something that it kind of, you know, going back to what you were talking about a second ago, uh, but this is just, uh, I'm going to put together a whole journal entry, a bunch of these journal entries in this book and, and just walk people through them. But, but anyway, this one is something, uh, it's quick. It says, the God who never sleeps and knows the number of hairs on my head watches over me as a father admiring his slumbering child. He waits eagerly for me while I sleep to wake up and spend time with him. But with only minutes to spare and a teen-like half-smile, I head past him on the way to the hot shower, clean clothes, and coffee. I wonder aloud if any friends have a copy to lend of that great new book, the one on living a better Christian-centered life. And the reason that's important is because I was writing the thing that, you know, I felt God was saying to me and a decade ago or whenever this was, and that's exactly where most people uh, kind of get off course. They do a little and they feel like they've done it. It's a chore. It's a checkbox, right? We've got all the cliches, but that, that, that's uh, the way it, it, it helped me understand. I got to stop doing that right now. That was years ago. So the other thing um, that's important, I, I, I wanted to read this. Oh, shoot. I just tore a page my book. <laughs> uh, the other thing I wanted to read that was important here. Now, this goes back to the idea of what do you worship if you're not fully with God? Um, remember that when the Israelites left Egypt, what did they have with them? What did God give them? You remember? Yeah, it was the treasures of Egypt. Exactly. That's wealth. So imagine, what are you going to do with wealth out in the desert? You know, <laughs> what are you going to do with gold statues and, and whatever yeah. they had in the desert? Yeah, you know, so... You got to think about what you have, what God's given you this way. It's useless if it doesn't have direction. Mm -hmm. God's making you a steward, but he doesn't want you to store it up. 
It doesn't mean you can't have a savings and all that crap or, or businesses. It just means you're not here to collect. You're here to distribute. Mm -hmm. And if you're not doing that, then you're really not living by what you claim to believe. All right. So here's what I wrote. This is a little poetic, but remember, it's got that context to it. This is in that whole Israel kind of moment. Good news falls with greater purpose on the spot where God takes aim, but evaporates on that empty surface if we're chasing bigger drops of rain. Yet even an ocean of stolen drops won't drown that still small voice as it calls for all the drowning lambs, lost people, to at least be given a choice. So think about that wealth. That's part of, partially what that's for, right? And even, and every martyr bleeds, martyr being the people who were killed for Christianity over the centuries. Every martyr bleeds for what each brick in every church demands or should demand, that we stop dragging the wealth of Egypt across the desert sand. A little bit more, making every provision, everything God's given us, a tool for harvest distinctly where we stand and watch the good news honor God for the sake of one lost man. So that's where my question came from that I ask people regularly is what would you give up to save one person or should we say now to free one person? Mm -hmm. And most people wouldn't give up even one paycheck. Mm -hmm. So if, if God's provision to you is not making disciples for him, then you're in big trouble. All right. So going back to put God first means a lot more than, you know, thinking about him once in a while or yeah. saying a quick prayer or reading a, a Jesus calling or whatever. This is who you are or it's not. There's no middle ground anymore. Why do, why do, why am I so kind of tough about this? Because look at the freaking world around us. Look at it. it. We're there. You got drag shows in churches. You got public schools teaching absolutely satanic garbage. On and on. You pick any institution. Look where they are. Everybody's addicted to depressant drugs. I mean, it's crazy. People don't get in the sunshine because they're afraid of the sun who God made. They don't eat meat. They eat plant-based crap. And they're weak and they're unhealthy because they don't just go back to what's in scripture. It's that simple, you know? So the world's falling apart around us because of this, but people still clinging on to this stuff. So if you're going to change, now is the time. All right, back to the encouraging part. Uh, <clears throat> so what, what does it mean? What, what steps can we take to go there? Let's say we're ready. We're in. Awesome. Let's go. It means what? What we've been talking about. You know, there is grace. It's not, you know, going to hell in a minute. I mean, it's not like that, right? But, but you have to come from that place or you won't ever get there. You have to be hungry for God. You can't carry him. You can't mail it in. You have to learn for, to let him carry you. And when you get there, that's where you stay there. The enemy will try to pull you away. But you have to learn to listen. And follow with conviction. Courage comes from conviction. And never, ever give up. The people that give up lose. Mm. And the enemy will try his best to make you give up. 
that doesn't mean if you're not a good singer that you need to go on American Idol and claim you're a good singer. Some of these people have no clue. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you got to get close to God through his word and the, and the spirit. Connect those things through the heart with, a, with an electric spirit arc, right? Those are, I'm just using metaphor here. When you have that, you keep following God. Big picture, vision, puzzle box. Start picking up the pieces one piece at a time and planting them and do not stop. It, it, it's not rambunctious. It's not reckless. It is convicting. When you get overwhelmed, you take one step, one step, one step. All right, so learn to listen, follow with courage that comes from conviction, and never, ever give up. When you know it's from him and, and there's peace, you never stop. All right? And there will be a lot of people that say you shouldn't, you can't. And, man, I know. I know. Mm -hmm. I've had it. But uh, now they're the ones following all this other stuff. You know, they're the ones swiping their nose still or whatever. I never did it, but putting masks on and getting back. They're doing all this stuff, you know, now it's cool to not do it. I've never done it. I'm not bragging. I'm saying, trust what I'm saying. I'm just trying to tell you, you know, I'm coming from my heart. So anyway, learn to accept his strength. This is number two. Stop caring or chasing, which I've already mentioned. Learn to accept God's strength. That's this is good, right? It, you, you don't have to carry it around. You don't have to figure it out. You have to let the Spirit of Jesus work through you. And one of the ways I like to, to propose it is instead of trying so hard to behave or be like Jesus, He lives in you. Just let Him out wherever you go, He'll do the work. So learn to accept His strength. That's the next one. Stop carrying and chasing and start allowing him to carry you. So you jump in his arms like a happy child and say, where are we going, Papa? I'm here for you. And because you love me, you've made me gifted in a way that satisfies me and helps other people to see your goodness. It's that simple. So that's, that's the encouraging part. You don't have to, you know, it's, it's not the sweat of your brow, you know, it's not, that's not how it works for a believer. Yeah. Jesus redeemed that. Well, it's kind of like, Jump you know, in. well, you're the sweat of your brow, your own wisdom, your own understanding, you know, the things you have, um, you know, that those are the things that too often uh, are, are what we identify ourselves by or what we find our value in. And, you know, it's really funny, man, as you're talking about this idea, we weren't here to collect, we we're here to distribute. For whatever reason, over the past <clears throat> couple of weeks, the Lord's really had me getting into the closet. And uh, I found 12,000 baseball cards that I collected as a kid. And, you know, you've got your favorite players and all this kind of stuff. And I've been sorting through those cards just as a way to be prudent. I was like, this is stuff that I have, and it's just sitting in the closet. Why? You know? Cool. And you, you get in there and what you realize is some of the stuff that you thought had value has no value whatsoever because there were thousands of them made. But what actually has value is the rare, limited edition, authentic things, right? Right. And, and so yeah. it's, it's like, you know, it's God's been speaking to me about that with people. 
is there's a lot of things in your past that you think have value that they don't have value. There's a lot of things in your right. present that they have think you'd think they have value. They don't have value. Listen, there's a lot of rich dudes out there. There's a lot of people with money. There's a lot of people who work hard. There's a lot of people who go to church. There's a lot of common things out there that we think are special or unique and whatever. But what's really unique is the authenticity with which the one of one that God made us. And that's what's really interesting about the card thing. Um, One of one cards are the most valuable because there's only one in existence, you know, and so in, in human existence in our lives, we are the one of one. We're the one off. We're the unique. But we don't see ourselves like that. We're trying to kind of shove ourselves into common by valuing ourselves by how much we make right. or, you know, where we live or where we go to church or who we're friends with or what kind of, you know, uh, policies we uphold, you know, as far right. as how we vote or whatever. And, and so th- th- there's a call here for the Lord to kind of get get in the closet and pull out the one-on-one, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, let go of all the fake, you know, common reprint crap and just get down to the nitty gritty. So that's just an analogy that I've been yeah, navigating my good. own life that I think would really tie in for somebody to kind of go, yeah. wow, I've never, I've never considered that I'm a unique, authentic, um, non-replicated thing, you know, um, yet I try to be because I'm trying to stack up value with all these other, you know, things, that, that, that I think give me value, but they don't. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's a good, a good, uh, very good, uh, analogy. And, you know, it goes back to those verses, just, just camp out on them, you know, uh, talk, talk about them pretty regular these days. Um, but yeah, that's, that's great. There is a, uh, um, I'll, I'll put it this way. There, uh, there's a great line. Um, it's, it's, it's uh, Mel L. Gibson. It's a great line from the Passion of the Christ to Resurrection, which I think is due out next year, maybe 2024. And there's a lot of trailers out there that people have made. They're kind of fan-made trailers. And uh, so it's hard to get it. You know, they only have little pieces of this thing. People are throwing them together. But, but you get some of it. So my favorite thing that I've heard so far, I love this line. And it's Mel saying it. Um, uh, so, so anyway, look forward to that. But it says, you had better decide whether you're hanging from the cross or banging in the nails. Mm. So let that sink in, you know, whoever you are, if you're not willing to live and die for what you believe, for your God, then you are banging the nails in. And uh, that's not a good thing. So I'll read it one more time. And again, this is going to be in that movie from everything I can tell, but it's just one line. It's my favorite, what I've seen. But you had better decide whether you're hanging from the cross or banging in the nails. And just hold on to that. You know, I think it's a good uh, way, you know, just like the card thing or whatever to, to hold on to some of these things rather than just, well, they're preaching at me again. You know, we're not, we're just trying to help you Yeah. not waste your life. Cause that's what you do without God. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You know, that it, uh, <laughs> I'd never ever want to get to heaven. Um, I don't think you ever would get to heaven, get to meet the father, whatever, not, not, you know, talking about like leaving here thing. I'm just saying you never get to that moment. 
and Jesus walks up to you and he goes, you know what, man, you were just too passionate for me. You, you were just, you cared too right. much. You cared yeah. too much about people. You, you were right. too vocal about, you know, your faith, you know, yeah. like, I mean, what, I, you know, again, Jesus, right. you get to Jesus and he's like, Hey man, thank you for the moderation. I really appreciate you. Right. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't see him saying that. And so ask yourselves, you know, really challenge yourselves with that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have too much wisdom. You know, sometimes people say, well, what do you pray for? And, and I don't beg God. Uh, you know, I'm not saying there aren't times where I'm just on my face saying, Lord, this is hard, especially when friends are hurting or whatever. So, so hear me out, but I, I just, you know, he makes promises. We need to believe those things. When he says, I'll give you wisdom if you ask for it, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy in the way he distributes it. If you don't want it and you don't want the discipline of it, then you won't have it. And, you know, have a comfy life. Go do whatever you want. But if you really want what's eternal and what's also the most important thing right now, this world needs wisdom. And that's the thing I pray about for and believe for most. Now, if you know me, you know God has given me that. And so why am I pointing at it? Why do I even point to this book? It's not because I think I'm cool. I could have written lots of books. But it's because I want people to understand that God makes promises and we can believe them. Hmm. So when you look at your fingerprint or your U-print, you look at your, your retinal scan, you look at your gift set, there is only one of you and you're here now. And that's it. You got a home in heaven, hopefully, right? But all that's included with the family of God. So your job isn't to just sit and wait for heaven. It's to get on with the work. And that's what we were reading earlier yeah. in Matthew, you know, 32 and 33. Um, so anyway, I, I think the idea today is, is just to just, you know, what's the point? There's plenty of content out there. There's plenty of YouTube videos and whatever. We're trying to bring you something that will actually help you yeah. from experience and with, with integrity and conviction and love, true love, you know, yeah. not baby bubblegum garbage and stuff. But we do ask you to help us make disciples, you know, and, and we're, we're getting ready to, to go full force into that because we want to do so many things that will change everything. And, um, you know, but if you want to keep pouring it into other places and, you know, that's fine if it's working. I just challenge you to, to see, is it working? How is it working? And what do you believe in most? We follow first and foremost, the Great Commission where Jesus says, go and make disciples. It goes on and says of all nations and all that. But just look at that action step. That's what we're about here. So, you know. Uh, it's, uh, it's very, uh, very important. And if, if you don't see it that way, then that's okay. But at least take a look under the hood and double check. Are you putting God first truly? And if you're yeah. not, we will help you do it and we will stand with you and uh, help you carry out the work he's given you. That's what yeah. we do.
Amen. Well, Kev, thanks for the challenge today, man. And uh, it, it, it kind of feels a little bit like a football coach who loves you, who's getting into you a little bit because he wants to yeah. make you better. And so I certainly appreciate it. I know our listeners do. For our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, connect with us, fearlesstradingcompany.com. Leave a comment message on these videos. Share this out with other people. Be willing to be challenged and just know you're not alone. We're walking this out together. Um, but thanks for listening to this week's show. Uh, Kev, man, thanks for pouring out and uh, get some rest, rest up that back. And uh, we'll be back next week for more, right? Amen. Yeah, just know God loves you deeply and uh, he's talking to you, you know. So just jump in his arms like a happy kid and uh, the world will begin to change in front of you. So, yep. Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. See you guys.